I'm so excited to be here with you. And so I do kind of want to say that maybe the application process for Austin should be closed because my daughter turns 18 in a couple months and thinking that's not so big of a difference. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here with you girls. And yeah, I guess I need to update my website a little bit or our church's website. So we've been married um, almost 20 years now. And so now they're almost 18 and almost 16 and almost 14. And my oldest is about to graduate. And so I cry frequently. Anybody else? Anybody else seen your moms? Okay, yeah. Pass the tissues to us because we cry all the time. But I'm really excited to be here with you girls. And to start, I thought we could read our theme verse again. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. God, we pray that you would change us into your image. God, we want to be more like you. We want to know you more. We want to be changed. God, we don't want to leave this place tonight looking more like ourselves or looking the same. God, we want to leave this place tonight and tomorrow and on Sunday looking more each time, each day and each moment like you. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for how good you are to us. God, I pray for every one of these girls. Lord, would we go our way tonight knowing you in a greater measure than we do right now. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I was traveling somewhere with my adorable husband a while back, and we had a layover in the airport, and we're kind of always in the airport. I actually leave for Israel on Monday. Yay. So, yeah, it'll be fine. We'll be good. So we were, we were on a layover somewhere. I don't even remember where. And he wanted pizza, and I wanted a salad. And so I ran to go get food from another place. And I came back to the pizza place in the airport, and he was bent over the drink case grabbing a bottle of water. And so I was just standing there, and I had my food, and so I put my hand on his back and was just rubbing his back and just looking around when all of a sudden across the restaurant was my husband. And he was looking at me, terrified. And I looked down. And a man was looking at me, also equally terrified. <laughs> I'd like to say that that was one of my most embarrassing moments, but I kind of live to make other people feel better about themselves. I promise you don't do as many dumb things as I do. Often in this life, we have a case of mistaken identity. Not that we go around rubbing random men's backs, I hope, but we often confuse who we are. In a world where identities can be mistaken and stolen and copied and made up, what is our identity? As you sit in this room tonight, who would you say that you are? 
Who do you reflect? Who do you identify with? How do others identify you? What image do we portray? And as I was praying over this study and thinking about, I love this theme, thinking about the theme of reflection, the book of Song of Solomon kept coming to my heart. Because when you read that story in that Bible, the king's love truly changes who that precious girl is. His love changed his bride. And once she had tasted of the king's love, there was nothing else that could satisfy her desire ever again. And that love was what she began to reflect to those around her. Because once we've tasted of the love of God, there's nothing else that could quench our thirst for him. And I love that she is saying tonight, your love is better than life. Because those of you who have tasted of God's love, you know that it is better than life. It's better than anything. And in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2, The bride says of the king, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Because of the fragrance of your good ointment, your name is ointment poured forth. Therefore, the virgins love you. Draw me away. And then her friends all around her, the daughters of Jerusalem, respond, we will run after you. And then she says, the king has brought me into his chambers. And her friends again say, we will be glad glad and rejoice in you, we will remember your love more than wine. She says in there, your love is better. Suddenly this love of the king, it had taken her identity. It was now who she was. She was not one forsaken. She was not one forgotten. She was not one left out. She was not one lonely. She was not ugly. She was beautiful because she was loved with the perfect love of the king. And the girls around her, seeing her reflect that love of the king to them, they say, well, if you think his love is that good, then we'll run after you to find it too. She was reflecting the king's love amid the thirsty for real love girls, and they respond with desire. Girls, the love of Jesus is the refreshing rest in this weary world that our souls long for, because his love is just better. It's better than any love we could ever experience in this life. It's better than any love a husband, a boyfriend, a parent, a random man in an airport could ever give to you. It's better than any identity. It's greater than any other reflection. It's the reflection of the love that Jesus pours out upon us. And this Shulamite woman in Song of Solomon, she comes to the same conclusion that anyone who ever truly tastes of God's love comes to, of everything I've tasted and I've tried, his love is just better. When the veil of this world is removed and we see his love for us, 
there's just nothing else that can ever quench our thirst again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. What does it mean to reflect our Jesus? It means that our old life is gone never to be brought up again, and suddenly as we chase after him, we become a new person. We become someone who looks more like him, someone who reflects him, someone who talks more like him. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. We will never know such completeness and such satisfaction and such rest as the rest that he pours out upon us. And I love that all of her friends around her see her reflecting this beautiful love and they say, we want to come see this love too. We'll follow you. Girls, as you're out in the world, at your workplace or in the grocery store or with your family or with unsaved friends, Anywhere that you go, you are called to be an image bearer of Christ. You're called to be a mirror. You're called to reflect his love. And you know what? You're reflecting what this world is desperate for. You reflect their longing for a new life. You reflect their longing for a new identity. They long to be loved. They long to be changed. They long to be made new. And this new life that these girls saw was reflected in the Shulamite as she basked in the love of the king. And I know that we don't always feel so changed. We don't always feel like we reflect God's glory. I was so upset about something on Monday, and and my friend was right by me, and I said, you know what? And I just blah, and told her how upset I was. And then that was Monday night. Tuesday morning, I open up because Tuesday is our Bible study day. And so I open up my message that I'm teaching on. And, and oh, I'm teaching on James 3, that we shouldn't curse our brothers and love God at the same time. We want to be better than we actually are. But we read in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 6, that this Shulamite woman didn't feel worthy of the love of her king either. It says in chapter 1, rightly do they love you. I'm dark but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, do not look upon me because I'm dark, because the sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Back then, it was pretty much the opposite of our culture. Being tanned was a sign of a servant, a sign of having to be outside, a sign of having to wear clothes without sleeves so that you could work. Opposite of our day now, where being pale denotes that you had to be inside working. While the tanned and burned people say, I've been on vacation, and it's been great. But regardless of skin tone and color, this woman sees her flaws. And isn't that the way we look at ourselves too? We see the flaws of our own beauty. Or maybe others see the flaws of our beauty. I remember when my youngest, who is now 13, was three years old. 
And she woke up in the morning, and I was out in the living room reading my Bible, and I said, come give mommy a kiss, baby. And she said, mm, maybe after you put your makeup on. <laughs> so sometimes we see the flaws of our beauty. Sometimes other people see the flaws of our beauty. We see the flaws of our usefulness. We see where we'd hoped we'd be different by now. By, by the time we are the age that we are right now, we really thought we would have it a little bit more together. I feel like I'm actually unraveling a little bit more each day instead of getting it a little bit more together. We see how we reflect our flesh. We see how we reflect our upbringing. We see how we reflect our past. We see how we reflect the lust of this world, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We see how we reflect our flaws, and it can be so discouraging, can't it? I mean, you read 2 Corinthians, and you know that you're a new creation in Christ. You know that he's made all things new, but that's not always what we see because we know how desperately we fall short of that perfect reflection of Christ. I had a conversation a while back, and it was with a woman who had had an affair, and God had restored her marriage, and and she wanted to be used to help with other marriages. She wanted to be used to help counsel women who, who were getting into that place that she knew she was in before she had an affair. But she said, every time I try to let God use me, I remember everything that I've done wrong, and I just can't talk to anybody, and I don't know how to move past it. Girls, we move past our past by remembering that we are fully loved and fully forgiven and by remembering that God has the most gracious, beautiful eyes and that our God of grace somehow takes our flaws and he makes them a beautiful image of his glory. I love that the Bible calls us trophies of his grace. We are trophy wives, girls. We're trophy wives. It might be a trophy to say, wow, look how gracious I am. I still love her. But we are trophy wives nonetheless. We move past our past by remembering that to Jesus, all things have passed away. That when we come to him, when we give our lives to him, that it says that he takes our sins as far as the east is from the west, that he buries them, that he puts it behind his back, that it's never to be seen again. He has made all things new. We move past our past by choosing to remember that whether we feel it or not, he has taken our sins away for good. And the identity that you reflect is not an identity of a mess up. It's not an identity of a mistake. It's not an identity of someone who can't get it together. It's not an identity of someone who is not loved. It is an identity by a new creation in Christ because God has gracious eyes. He wants to use us. Does that astound you? This king only sees our beauty. I mean, I read these verses, and I know he's perfect, but I kind of want to say, should we get you glasses? Because I don't quite see what you see. 
I was thinking about when my younger sister had her second baby. With her first baby, she opened the room, and we could all be in there, and she got an epidural, and I was holding one leg, and and, her, and the baby's dad was holding the other leg. But here's the problem, is that the baby's dad has a lot of family members. And so there was probably about 40 people in the room as my sister was pushing this baby out. It was kind of wild, and they were circling in and out, and not all of them were sober, and it was kind of wild. <laughs> So her second baby that she has, she says, I'm closing the room. No one's allowed in. It's just me and Chris. And so we had to come and see the baby a few hours after she was born. And, and we came, and I wasn't thinking about it. My kids were little, and so they weren't quite old enough to be able to go back into the room. And so my mom and I had gone together, but the problem was that I had driven, and my mom only had her prescription sunglasses. So once she was in the hospital, she didn't have any glasses on. And so she goes, and she asks the nurse what room she's in, and she goes to see her, and she's walking in and she says hi and my sister says hi and then it just gets kind of quiet and so my mom gets a little closer and someone was in the room that she didn't recognize but she thought well maybe it's you know some family member and so she gets a little closer and she says how are you feeling and my sister says good and my mom gets a little closer and she says can I hold her and as she got that close she realized it wasn't my sister she was in the wrong room I know you're like oh that's where you come from yes I have spent 42 years denying my heritage but it can be denied no longer and sometimes we think that God looks at us like that like well maybe he doesn't see Maybe he doesn't know. And she felt like this too in Song of Solomon. And in Song of Solomon chapter 1, the king says to her, Behold your fair, my love. Behold your fair. You have dove's eyes. I don't know what dove's eyes means. It sounds really cute. (laughs) But what I do know is that Song of Solomon was written to portray the love of a king to a bride. And as we look at ourselves and we see our flaws and we see our shortcomings and we see our mistakes and we see our mess-ups, God looks at us and he says, oh no, you're fair, you're beautiful. Isn't it just like Jesus to look at us with such grace-filled eyes and love lenses? Girls, we reflect Jesus, not because we're perfect, not because we measure up, but because all things are passed away, and behold, all things are new. And because of that, because of that, we are not to have a mistaken identity. Don't get wrapped up in thinking that you're still back there, that you're still past, or that you can pursue the past while still being this new creation. Your identity is not to be found in this world. We aren't stuck in the flaws that we think we possess. We are new creations in Christ. You're so beautiful the way that God made you. You're not intended to be competing with the world. You have the immeasurable beauty of being an image bearer of the glory of God. You reflect Jesus even on your worst day because you reflect his perfect love that was demonstrated to us in the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, I was in another counseling appointment 
just last week and, and another girl who had had an affair and oh be on guard girls I just feel like the enemy is working overtime on women and marriages and and she had an affair and we've been kind of counseling them through this for a few months now and she was not super repentant in the beginning and she was still kind of lost in that fog of why she was justified and why it was okay and and I watched this husband keep loving her and I watched this husband keep forgiving her And I watched this husband put his hand on her back, put his hand on her leg, and love her anyway. And just last week, we were sitting for our counseling appointment, and it's been a few few months now, and she was sobbing in the office. And she said, I can't believe what I did. I can't believe how lost I was. But more than that, I can't believe how gracious your love was. I can't believe that you kept loving me. I can't believe that you kept forgiving me. I can't believe that you kept growing with me. And I just started crying myself because what a beautiful picture of Jesus. Do you know that there's nothing that you could do to make him love you less? Do you know that there's nothing you could do to make him disappointed in who you are? Is he grieved over sin? Of course he is because he knows how it devastates us. But he never begins to love us less in the worst of our lives at all. Romans 8 tells us that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Girls, that should be everybody in the room. If you don't know that you're in Christ Jesus, we're going to have a time afterward where you can pray and you can ask him. But I want you to start thinking about the fact that when we are in Christ, there is no disqualifying flaw upon you. You're wonderfully perfect to Jesus. And the Shulamite woman in Song of Solomon, she feels the king's perfect love. And she says in chapter 2, verse 4, He brought me to the banqueting table, and his banner over me is love. This is Jesus, this perfect love, this agape love, the most beautiful love that we could ever imagine. And our identity now is standing under the banner of fully loved, no longer behind a veil, no longer blinded by sin, no longer separated from the presence of God. We now live under a banner of love. One of my favorite names for God is Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. And I was thinking, you know, a few years back when the Olympics were on, and I don't even know when it was, but anyway, you know, whenever it was, this year, last year, two years ago, eight years ago, you know, whatever. It's probably on my website. It's wrong. (laughs) But when the Olympics begin, they begin with that beautiful procession. I love that part. Like the procession in gymnastics, I'm done. Everything else is uh, a little ping pong. No. But it begins with that beautiful procession of the athletes marching under their country's flag and banner. It's their identification. It's who they belong to. It's where they belong. It's where they're from. But the banners also mark victories. Because when that Olympic athlete wins, 
They raise that flag. They raise that banner to declare where that person is from. Girls, do you know where you're from? Do you know who you belong to? As you sit here reflecting Jesus, do you know that you're fully his? Romans chapter 8 says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are not behind a veil. You are under a banner of love. We stand under the banner of being identified with the most perfect love that there is. We stand under the banner of forgiven, set free, new creation. All things have passed away and all things become new. Our victory is that we walk this life not perfect, but perfectly loved and headed for heaven. And it's not just an identifying reflection of what God has taken away as we stand under his banner of love. It's also who he's called you to be in the future. You're not just called to represent what God has taken. You're called to reflect who God wants you to be. In Numbers chapter 2, the Lord gives the marching order of the Israelites. And he says all the tribes are to travel in the same order that they camp, each in position under the appropriate family banner. The banner was supposed to identify what family you belong to, what job you were supposed to do, and what you were called to be. The banner of God declared what, were they, what they were supposed to do. They identified standing under this family, this clan, under this banner. Their jobs are this. When they journey, they're responsible for this. When they get there, they're responsible for that. When they set up, this is what they're supposed to do. See, God had a specific purpose and a specific job for each one of those people to accomplish under their banners. Do you know as you sit in here tonight, that you're not just perfectly forgiven and you're not just perfectly loved, but that you are perfectly called. You're called to reflect Jesus in a way that no one else can. You're called to reflect Jesus with your specific gifting, with your specific place in the body of Christ. You are called with a job. And what I love is that in Numbers, they were commissioned from one month old and on. Their entire lives raised knowing their identifying banner, who they belonged to, and what their job was. As you sit here in this room tonight, you're not too young to be used greatly by Jesus. And as you sit here in the room tonight, you're not too old to be used greatly by Jesus. 
God's people were not meant to be identified by the world's opinion. They weren't meant to be identified by the successes and failures in their lives. They were identified by the mark that God had upon them. They were identified by the special, specific way that they were called to reflect God to the other nations as they passed through. He has brought you through the veil to reflect him in a special and unique way. We're new creatures in Christ, girls. We get to live out the identity that God has given to us. In the specific way that he's created you to be, all things are passed away, all things are become new, and he's got so much new for you. I think a lot of you probably know Jeremiah 29, 11, that God knows the plans he has for you, that they're to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. The Lord has taken the veil away from our eyes. He has placed us under a banner of his love and under a banner of his calling and under a banner of his plans. He's gifted you specially with something within the body of Christ that he wants to use you in. He wants to use you for his glory. Does that amaze you? He wants to reflect his glory through you. You're his creation. You were created and cleansed and called for a purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The bride said his banner over me is love. You, his workmanship, his mirror, were created for a specific purpose. You weren't created to meander. You weren't created to be lost. You weren't created to reflect the world. You weren't created to reflect your flesh. You were created to reflect God specifically where you are right now. And I love that his banner over us, our true identity, our true reflection is not scarlet and stained with sin if we are in Christ Jesus. It's a banner of love. It's a banner that makes pure. It's a banner of newness. It's a banner of mercy. It's a banner of forgiveness. It's a banner of grace. And I think thinking about that, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 just declares and cries out, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Our Jesus has conquered sin and the grave and death. The veil was torn, and he asks us to come stand under the banner of victory. No longer do we have to flounder. No longer do we have to gossip or lie or cheat or steal or compete physically or compete materially or spread discord. No longer do we have to look for love in all the wrong places. No longer are we blinded by the veil of the enemy, unable to walk, unable to see, unable to move forward. We are new creations in Christ with a new banner and a new identity and a new calling and a perfect love. And I think that those of us who know Jesus in here know 
that we'll never find a love like that, though we search high and low in this world. We stand under a banner of his love. You know, you think about what the veil represents when Paul's talking about that in 1 Corinthians, that the, that the veil has been torn away, that the old is past, that all things have become new. Our greatest need as humanity has always been for mercy. It's always been for forgiveness. It's always been for righteousness. And you think about when God was telling Moses the plans of building the temple, and he said, I want you to take that mercy seat, and I want you to put it in the Holy of Holies, and then I want you to make the veil. And that veil was so thick and so dense, and one man, one day a year, under specific special circumstances, was allowed access through that veil and into the room that contained the mercy seat. And then when our precious Jesus died on the cross, that same hour, God tore that veil from top to bottom. And now because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of his sacrifice, Hebrews tells us that no longer do we have to be that one special chosen man one day a year under really special certain circumstances, but that you and I can run in to that throne room to boldly obtain the mercy that we need, to boldly obtain that grace that we need. Girls, you are a new creation in Christ. We stand under his banner of perfect love, reflecting him not perfectly, but perfectly loved, because we have a God who fought for us, a God who died for us. We have a God who called us. And, you know, I want to say that newness doesn't just happen at salvation. Because maybe some of you in the room, you have a testimony like mine, that you used to be really awful and you used to do really bad things. You used to fight and yell and be mean. And then you turned three and you gave your life to Jesus. And <laughs> things have been different ever since then. Or maybe you just got saved. Or maybe it's a little more recent to where you can remember the contrast of life and death and sin and forgiveness. Or maybe you're in here and you don't know. Maybe you go to church and you're thinking, I, I think I am. You would know. You know, it's kind of like a boyfriend and a girlfriend. You know when you got married. And so you can be around Jesus, but like, is there that day? Was there that day that you surrendered to him? And we all need newness. Whether you're in here and you don't know Jesus, you need newness. You need the sacrifice that only he could do for you, that perfect sacrifice that could cleanse you, that can take your sin away, that could forgive what could never be forgiven, that can heal what could never be healed, that can remove that bitterness, that anguish, that anger, that desperation. But guess what? The newness isn't just for those in here who don't know Jesus. I tell my girls all the time because they're kind of perfectionists and they get so devastated when they fail. And I say, oh, guess what, sweet babies? Even good girls need a savior. Newness is not just for the ones who don't know Jesus. 
Newness is not just for the ones who are recently saved. We need newness every day. I read this quote by C.S. Lewis, and it's kind of long, but I'm almost done, so I want to read it and try to pay attention because it's really, really good. (laughs) C.S. Lewis said, Your real new self, which is Christ's and also yours, and yours just because it is his, will not come as long as you are looking for it. It will come when you're looking for him. Does that sound strange? The same principle holds, you know, for more everyday matters. Even in social life, you will never make a good impression on other people until you stop thinking about what sort of impression you're making. The principle runs through all life from top to bottom. Give up yourself, and you will find your real self. Lose your life, and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day, and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being, and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin and decay but look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else will be thrown in saved or not saved in this room Jesus is what you're looking for saved or not saved in this room his mercies that are new every morning are waiting for you girls each day is a day of new consecration. Each day is a day of new dedication. Each day is a day of (sighs) cleaning that mirror of our souls off a little bit so that we can reflect Jesus. It's a new dedication. It's a new passion. It's a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And I just really kept feeling led to say tonight, As I was praying, God, what do you want me to say to them? I know I've got like 18 pages of notes, but what do you want me to say? Like, really, what do you want me to say? And the whole way out here, I kept just feeling such a strong impression of how desperately he wanted you to know how loved you were. And we're going to get to a time where, where you maybe who don't know Jesus are going to be able to, to ask him into your heart. But I really just want to talk to the girls who know him right now. Because sometimes, sometimes we can get stuck in sin because we're so surprised and disappointed in ourselves. Because we know this stuff. We read this stuff. We teach this stuff. Can I remind us that he's not surprised when we run to him in need? He's expecting us. That's why he tore the veil. It's like when you know people are coming over and you don't want to keep having to come to the front door to let them in, you leave it open a little bit. That's what he did with the throne room of mercy. He left it open a little bit because he knew you were coming. He knew you would need it. He expects us to run to him, needing him daily. His mercy was the greatest need of our heart and can only be fulfilled in him. Girls, old things have passed away. All things have become new. The veil has been torn, and you reflect Jesus, not perfectly, but perfectly loved. 
And so God, I just pray right now for every precious, beautiful, sweet, and amazing, and adorable, and darling girl in this room. And I just ask, God, would you pour out your love upon them? Would you pour out your presence? And with every eye closed, maybe you're in here and you don't know that love. You don't know that forgiveness. You don't know that newness. And if that's you, could I just, with every eye closed, ask you if you want to raise your hand to ask Jesus to be your Savior, to ask Jesus for forgiveness, to ask Jesus for newness. Is there anyone in here who would want to raise their hand for a new life, for new forgiveness? see a couple hands. God, I just lift up these girls to you. And if you want to pray, just repeat in your heart, God, I give you my life. I want you as my Savior. Would you forgive me of all my sin and would you make me new? And then one more thing, with every eye closed, Maybe you're in here and you've been battling with condemnation and you feel disappointment and you can't believe you did what you did from the least to the greatest and you feel like you're not a good reflection of Jesus and you just need a little bit of that new mercy, that new forgiveness, that newness. If that's you in here tonight with every eye closed and you feel just disappointed in yourself, would you raise your hand? So many hands, so many hands. God, I thank you that it is by grace that we have been saved. And not of ourselves, but it is the gift of God. And then you took that and you said in that, as you receive the Lord, so walk in him. God, how did we come to you? We came to you desperate, knowing that we could do no good in and of ourselves, knowing that there was not one good, no, not one, and that we couldn't get to heaven on our own, and we couldn't be good on our own, and we couldn't attain to our righteousness, that our own righteousness was as filthy rags. God, that's how we got saved. I pray, Jesus, that then we would so walk in it that we would approach every day like that. Approaching every day knowing that it is only by your grace and goodness that one good thing can be accomplished through our life in that day. God, would you teach us to see the reflection that you see, that beautiful reflection of forgiveness, of perfection, of beautifully, perfectly loved, that banner that we stand under doesn't identify us as stained or tainted or flawed or marred. God, would you encourage each one of these girls that, God, you've got new mercies for them each day because each day they're going to need it. And you knew that, and so you left the room open. You left the, the veil ajar so that we could run in and obtain that mercy. God, I pray that we would just bask in your love this weekend, in your perfect, most beautiful love, 
that you see in us. And God, I think all of us would say, well, I don't know what you see in me, but okay. (laughs) God, we thank you. Thank you, God, for your gracious eyes that you look at us with. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.